morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who calls us together, the one who lived and died yet lives again. We know his presence with us as resurrection people, and it is a special joy to share with you as we worship this morning. We're grateful for the presence of each of you here, especially those who may be visiting. We thank you for visiting. You bless us with your presence, and we pray this is a blessed time for us all as we gather to worship God. Uh, and a special Father's Day blessing upon us fathers. Uh, we are grateful for this occasion to remember and honor our dads and pray that this is a day of blessing for us all as we gather as children of God. It is good to be with you again. We had a, Paul and I had a wonderful time away sharing at a wedding last week, and I'm grateful for Megan Mitchell's leadership in worship. Uh, thank you for your prayers for safe travel, and again, it is good to be with you again. As we gather to worship God, we remember the service we offer to God in this community, uh, remembering that yesterday we shared in the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet. Thank Jim Roberts for the numbers here reminding us that we served 116 households by way of the food bank, packed 171 boxes, and served a total of 388 people by way of the food bank. Regarding the clothes closet, 132 households were served, uh, totaling 371 people. So again, thank you for your support of these ministries. I understand there were volunteers who did double duty in covering several jobs yesterday, so I'm hoping as we prepare for the July food bank and clothes closet, we may be able to raise those numbers of volunteers for this vital ministry. Uh, as we look into this week that is before us, um, we're, you're invited to share in the movie, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, again, there's been a women's Bible study accustomed to meeting each Tuesday. Uh, during the summer, we will turn that into a time to watch movies once in June, July, and August. So bring your lunch to the Ministry Center on Tuesday to watch Only I Can Only Imagine. Understand popcorn will be provided, of course. Uh, but again, the wonderful invitation to gather for that movie. Uh, also the invitation to support the Ministries of Vacation Bible School in July. And in just a couple of weeks, the Ministry of Small Hands Big Mission. So opportunities to serve those ministries as well. And again, remember the church picnic will be offered a week from Tuesday at Fielddale Park. So some wonderful ministries are before us as the community of faith that is First United Methodist. And I've shared before that during this year, the Gospel of Mark is prominent before us. So we will hear from Mark chapter 4 this morning, uh, hearing some of the stories from Jesus the Storyteller. I invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand. As a shepherd seeks a lost sheep, like a woman who searches for a lost coin until it is found, as a father receives a returning wayward son, therefore let us praise God in thanksgiving that we are received. Come, Christians, join to sing, number 158. go to God as we pray. 
Our opening prayer is before us. We go to God with these words. O Lord, our God, you are always more ready to bestow your good gifts on us than we are to seek them and are willing to give more than we desire or deserve. Help us so to seek that we may truly find, so to ask that we may joyfully receive, so to knock that the door of your mercy may be opened to us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As we will share from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, we will share stories of growth and agriculture. And, uh, we anticipate that word as we read from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 17, in which God speaks of the growth he provides as well. First we pray. Lord, may your word proclaimed take root within our hearts, and may it grow abundantly and bear much fruit for your sake. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it upon a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bring forth boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar, and under it will dwell all kinds of beasts. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, bring low the high tree and to make high the low tree, dry up the green tree and to make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is the word of our Lord. I invite us to a time of prayer as I offer now this Father's Day prayer. We go to God as we pray. Holy God, whom we call Father, we give you thanks for the people who have been our earthly fathers in this life, and we pray for all sorts and conditions of fathers. Through fathers who have striven to balance the demands of work, marriage, and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. For fathers who, lacking a good model, have worked to become a good father. For fathers who by their own account were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer those children now grown their love and support. For fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support has offered healing. For fathers who as stepfathers freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and earned their stepchildren's love and respect. For fathers who have lost a child to death and continue to hold the child in their heart. For those men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. For those men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. 
For those men who are about to become fathers, may they openly delight in their children. And for those fathers who have died, but live on in our memory and in the communion of your saints, whose love continues to nurture us. All this we ask in the name of your beloved Son. Amen. I invite our children to come forward as we share now in our children's time. Good morning. Wonderful looking bunch of children. It is good to be with you. I'm going to sit over here and see. How are we this morning? Doing well? Well, we've already mentioned today is a very special day, today being Father's Day. So, happy Father's Day again. Do we have special plans for Father's Day? We do. What are some of those plans? Okay, we have some other plans, special dinners. We're going to go home and have a nice cookout at home. Going to swim with, boy, that sounds like fun. A great day for swimming. Well, I'm grateful for Father's Day to be able to remember and honor our fathers. And and grateful uh, because as we share in our scripture, that language of, of dad, of father, of pop, whatever we may call our dad, is language we find even in our Bible. And those words for like dad or papa or father are words that Jesus even speaks to us because Jesus wants us to know how close our heavenly father is. He, in fact, says Jesus, God is so close to us that we can use the language of a father. And when we go to God in prayer, It's fine if we say God, it's fine if we say King, it's fine if we use other words to name God. But Jesus says to us, God is so close to us that when we pray with God, we can call God Father. In fact, there's even a word in in the New Testament called Abba. Abba, it's like Daddy. That God is so close to us, we can can cry Abba, Father. It's like calling God Daddy. Did you know God is that close to us? Well, on this Father's Day, as we remember our earthly fathers and honor them, I'm so grateful that Jesus says to us, you know, God is so close to you that when you go to God in prayer, you can call him Daddy. That tells us how much God loves us and how close God wants to be with us. So I'm grateful to God for our earthly fathers that we have at this time, and I'm especially grateful that we know we can go to God at any time in prayer call him Father. And I'm going to ask us to go to God as we pray now, and, and to, to, to go to God as our Father. And if you'll repeat the words after me, okay? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that we can call you Father, that we can call you Daddy, because you love us, and you are so close to us. Bless our dads, May they have a special day, and we thank you that we come to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Okay. You have a wonderful children. Yes. We stand as we sing Hymn of Promise, number 707. From the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34, we hear the word of God. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should sprout and grow he knows not how. The earth produces of itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? 
It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke to the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of our Lord.
It was in the fall of 2016 that Paula and I enjoyed a week's vacation in Beaufort, South Carolina. Part of our reason for choosing to vacation in Beaufort was to see the Pat Conroy Literary Center established in memory of this beloved Southern writer who had died in March of that year. We enjoyed our time visiting this recently opened center. We treasured the unexpected conversations we fell into with persons we met there. We still recall seeing pages of manuscripts handwritten by Pat Conroy, along with other of his belongings. This was our first trip to Beaufort. It will not be our last. Along with the gratitude I carry for having spent a week in Beaufort and an afternoon at this literary center, I carry deep gratitude for having seen placed prominently in this center this quote of Pat Conroy. The most beautiful words in English are, tell me a story. The Bible witnesses to the truth of Conroy's words from beginning to end. From Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the healing found for each of us in the New Jerusalem. Gathered between these stories, too many stories to recall. Abraham taking his son to kill him. Joseph, the dreamer. Jacob wrestling an angel. David slaying Goliath. David weeping over the death of his rebellious son. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the parables of Jesus. Parables as we find them this morning in Mark chapter full. A chapter full of parables even before we arrive at the parables before us this morning. We love the parables of Jesus. Find them perhaps to be the most beloved part of his ministry. And we know why. Pat Conroy is right. The most powerful words in English are, tell me a story. On this Father's Day, I wistfully recall stories I told our two daughters, stories by which they would often fall asleep. While we had an impressive collection of children's books from which to read, on occasion I would improvise, make up a story. But in each of these improvised stories, a certain young lady always appeared, a girl named Rachel. Our daughters, now 29 and 25, still recall these Rachel stories. I wonder if they recall the story of Rachel playing softball by streetlight in her neighborhood one evening. Rachel, was at bat, took a mighty swing, lifted the ball skyward with such force the ball struck the moon, knocking it from the sky. Yes, the moon fell from its orbit, landing in a vacant lot near where Rachel and her friends had been playing their game. Well, you can imagine the dilemma in which Rachel and her friends find themselves. The moon has been knocked from the sky. What effect will this have on ocean tides? What about the impact of this event on the world of music? Will we ever sing again, Moon River? I wished on the moon, Moonlight Serenade. Will we ever read again, Good Night Moon? 
So with great urgency, Rachel and friends wonder as to how they can return the moon to its rightful place in the night sky. They rush to their homes, grab their parents, hustle with them to see the moon fallen from the sky there in their midst. Well, the parents cannot believe what they see, but realize along with their children, the moon must be returned to the sky. So they huddle together, do some calculations based on weight, mass, angle, trajectory. Having done all this, they arrive at how they shall return the moon to its rightful orbit. They will construct a giant slingshot. So the neighbors scramble to find some lumber. Some older neighbors rummage through their garages, find some old inner tubes free of dry rot. With assortment of nails, clamps, and of course, duct tape, they fashion together a slingshot. They anchor it in the ground, attach an adequate supply of rubber tubing, and into the midst of this giant rubber band, parents and children push and roll the moon. Believing they have done their best, they pull back on the band until they can pull no further. They lean back with all their might until finally, on the count of three, they release the band. Leaning forward, squinting so as to witness what they have done, they see the moon arcing quietly, into the darkness of the night. Rachel, her friends, their parents all stand speechless. Though nervous and anxious, wondering amongst themselves, will this work? They also agree that watching the moon so gracefully climb to its rightful place in a pitch black sky is the most beautiful thing they've ever seen. And it worked. The moon found its place, assumed again its gentle orbit, was told by Mars and Jupiter, we missed you. And as everyone in the neighborhood returned home for the night, they all agreed they would never know another night like this. They also agreed on this. From now on, Rachel will bat left-handed. True story. The most powerful words in English, tell me a story. Jesus, tell us a story. Jesus, tell us of God's kingdom. Tell us what it is like to live as those who belong fully to God. Well, Jesus, it appears, has options as to how he can speak of God's kingdom, God's way in this world. Jesus has options by which to speak of what it is like to live as people who belong to God. For example, Jesus could provide a checklist of certain characteristics, certain traits identifying the kingdom. The kingdom of God is full of righteousness, Jesus could say. The kingdom of God is full of justice, he could tell us. And nothing wrong with any of that, it's all true. Or Jesus could tell us life as those who live within God's kingdom is identified by traits such as mercy, grace, forgiveness, love. You see, Jesus could have done that speaking by way of proverb or beatitude when speaking of life lived as those who worship and serve God. Again, nothing wrong with this, much to be affirmed in it all. Still, we notice this morning when Jesus speaks to us of God's way in the world, 
He does not speak in a direct, matter-of-fact way. When Jesus speaks to you and me of life experience within God's kingdom, he doesn't issue a checklist. Instead, when Jesus speaks of God's way in the world, he tells stories. The kingdom of God, says Jesus, it's, it's like a man scattering seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or awakens, the, the seed sprouts, it grows, and, and the one who, who sowed the seed has no idea how this is happening. But he sees it happen right before his eyes, the, the stalk, the head, the full kernel in the head, then the grain having ripened, he puts his sickle to it, the harvest has come. This, says Jesus, that, that's life within the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, says Jesus, it's like a mustard seed, a, a seed amongst the smallest of all seeds. When this mustard seed is planted, it grows becomes the largest of plants, offering branches so large the birds find rest within their shade. This, says Jesus, the storyteller, is what life is like within the kingdom of God. Well, we may wish he'd given us a checklist, provided proverb or beatitude, because we wonder do stories such as these, these brief, humble, mysterious words, do they do justice to something so grand as the kingdom of God? A man sowing seed and harvesting its fruit reveals the kingdom of God? A mustard seed growing and welcoming birds for all to see, that's the kingdom of God? Well, yes, that's what these parables do. And in fact, they do so in ways no other form of communication can do. The truth is, these parables reveal the kingdom of God in ways we recognize, in ways for which we may give thanks. I returned yesterday from our annual conference in Hampton, and I enjoy seeing friends and colleagues at conference. I'm grateful to be reminded of my connection to and history with the United Methodist Church. I enjoy the powerful services of worship and appreciate the leadership of our bishop. Yet while I am grateful for these experiences of annual conference, I also confess there are those lamentable, regrettable experiences I believe not only I, but each clergy person feels whenever we gather together. For example, one of the experiences of annual conference is the recognition of new faith communities, the celebration of churches recently established. So the young clergy pastoring these new churches stand on stage before us. We are then told of the exciting ministries taking place in these new faith communities of the hundreds of people already worshiping there. We clap and affirm and celebrate all God is doing with these new communities of faith as we should. And in addition to this official recognition of 
life and excitement and communities of faith around the state, we will fall into conversation with colleagues in ministry. And in these conversations, we will hear of how our colleagues are going to new appointments in the suburbs, to churches full of young families and wonderful staff and bright and shiny facilities. Again, much to be affirmed and celebrated in, in regard to all God is so obviously doing within the lives of these partners in ministry. Still, we know how these conversations so often work. We compare our life in ministry to theirs. And in that comparison, where do we fall? We always fall short. Always feel like, well, gee, that must be nice. I can't measure up to that. And the steeple envy strikes again. That's when I believe we are called to step within these parables of Jesus, parables telling us how life is experienced as those who belong to God. You see, the sower does what a sower is supposed to do. He sows. And because he does what he is supposed to do, because he does what God calls him to do, a great harvest in time unfolds. Hear these words of Jesus, all you who sow from within this community of faith. As for the mustard seed, its humble beginning does not stand in the way of its becoming a mighty plant, a plant in which welcome, hospitality, and shelter is ultimately found. Hear these words of Jesus, all you who plant from within this community of faith. And give thanks to Jesus for these parables, parables of the kingdom he brings. I say give thanks because I know as you know. The first question we so often ask after any church function is this question. How many people were there? Now, it's true, this is a question at some point needing to be asked. But for us, sadly, it is often the only question asked. And we neglect to remember there are other questions we do well to ask. Was the service faithfully presented? Was there good and lively discussion in the small group? Was there adequate preparation? Did the people enjoy themselves? Was there prayer? You see, the parables of Jesus remind us the kingdom of God is not something contained within numbers. The kingdom of God is not something we can quantify. It is not something we control. The kingdom of God is experienced by doing all God calls us to do, to sow, to plant, to offer all we can offer, even if it looks humble in its beginning. The kingdom of God is experienced. When we do our part, the kingdom of God is experienced when we trust God to do his part.
That equation, says Jesus, is enough. In that equation, God is found. So Jesus, tell us a story. Tell us a story of the ways of God. Tell us a story in which you make room for each of us in your story. Tell us a story in which you call us to participate. Tell us a story in which we find our place with you. Tell us a story in which we are assured our efforts are honored and bear fruit within your kingdom. Tell us a story in which we are assured we find rest within the loving embrace of God the Father. Jesus, tell us this story, and we will sleep well tonight. Amen. Amen. I invite us to respond to the word with this litany for Father's Day as it is before us. Let us stand. Come, bless the Lord with me. Let's remember together the many good things that he does for us. He forgives all our sins and heals the sickness within us. He saves us from a life of destruction and surrounds us with love and mercy. The Lord is like a father to his children, compassionate and merciful, filled with endless love. He fills our lives with good things and renews our strength. He is righteous in all that he does and brings justice to those who have been wronged. He is not easily angered, nor does he remain angry forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or punish us as harshly as he should. The Lord is like a father to his children, compassionate and merciful, filled with endless love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so strong is his love toward us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. For the Lord is like a father to his children, compassionate and merciful, filled with endless love. For he knows us inside and out. He remembers how we were made from the dust of the ground. Our lives on earth are short, like wildflowers in the field. But God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, from generation to generation, to those who remain in relationship with him, who listen to his voice and to do his will. Bless the Lord, and all that we have, and all that we are. We bless your holy name. Amen. As we stand preparing to pass the peace, I share the good news that at 845, Kenny Moore, or Kenneth Moore, 
known to many of us here, joined the membership of First Church, again at 845, so we give thanks uh, that Kenny has joined this community of faith and now invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. Just a reminder uh, that Vacation Bible School quickly approaches. There's opportunities to support this. Uh, those details are listed before us in our bulletins. And it's a reminder, too, as we prepare to worship God by way of our gifts, that those gifts touch many lives for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And that is a wonderful expression of how your giving helps witness and helps build faith uh, by touching the lives of many within this community of faith and many beyond this community of faith. So thank you for your giving that makes this ministry happen, and I invite our ushers to come forward.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your gifts. You thank, we thank you for calling us to touch lives for your sake by the offering of these gifts. We remember that you are the giver of all good things, and we wish to worship and praise you as we return but a portion of these gifts to you. In your care, may they accomplish great things for the sake of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
We are to be those who ask and seek and knock, those who pray without ceasing. We remember these words of faith and instruction as we go to God, as we pray, as we share in the prayers of the people, and share responsibly in this time of prayer, as I name various petitions, concluding each of these with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting from you the, the naming of those concerns or persons or circumstances you'd like to offer as we go to God in prayer and conclude with the prayer that Christ has taught us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the faith of our fathers, the faith of all our ancestors, the faith that has brought us here. We pray as well, O oh Lord, that we would demonstrate such faith so that those who follow us may be led into relationship with you as well. We thank you for those stories of salvation, those kingdom stories that bring us here, those stories that guide and feed and nurture us still, stories continuing to be told for the sake of Christ and your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, our annual conference, Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers offered within the communion of saints, a cloud of witnesses surrounding us still, joining their voices to ours in song, in praise, and in prayer, as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive And lead us not into temptation. <coughs> We do the first verse a second time. Correct, five verses. We'll stand as we sing Walk by Faith, and we notice we will sing five verses of this. We stand as we sing.
is Christ who tells us, you are the light of the world. We go now as the light of Christ. We go as those gathered within God's saving story, a story still being written by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.